One, two, three. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Cool. The COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated digital trends across all industries. But what of the robots, artificial intelligence? Could it be that this time next year, we might have humanoid robot carers in the healthcare sector? You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is my co-host, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. You are the National's future editor. So just to, to remind those um, who may not be aware of that, that, that means you handle our future beat. So stories that pertain to what life will be like, how trends are playing out. And this is across the board. I mean, this isn't just business or technology, but also other aspects of life and the world, whether it be cities or, or, or otherwise. All sorts, all all things future. And this one today certainly feels a little on the nose. I got to interview Sophia, Hanson Robotics humanoid robot, as well as Hanson Robotics chief executive David Hanson, because earlier this year, he piqued my interest by saying that for the first time, the robotics company plans to mass produce Sophia. And people might be familiar with it, with her, because she was the first... Uh, robot to ever be granted citizenship. Saudi Arabia did that back in 2017. Uh, she's made headlines, international headlines. She went to Ferrari World in 2018. She's like kind of the first robot celebrity. And it was interesting to me that uh, this company has plans to proliferate her and make her available to a mass market audience. So I wanted to find out more about that. So moving from the gimmicky kind of marketing, buzzy kind of stage to something a bit more tangible and 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 more sort of in in everyday life. Absolutely. And I'm almost the first person to walk past one of the robots like in front of a storefront to that's going to offer customer service or anything. I'm really skeptical about the technology and where it's at right now, but it seems to be, you know, in the last year when we saw robots in Wuhan, you know, staffing a hospital, when we saw robots being deployed to tell people to social distance and to ensure that they're wearing masks, you actually start to see use cases. We were forced to see use cases because of an emergency. But then you start to wonder, okay, where does this play into like our mainstream consumer market behavior and might it play a role? And uh, so I wanted to talk to Hanson Robotics to kind of learn more about that and see if, if that was the case. So a little on the nose, I interviewed Sophia, a real, like, uh, I guess, centerpiece for any future editor. And I found myself being really nice to her. So you'll, you'll hear that. But I also spoke to her creator, David Hansen. Let's listen to that now. David Hansen, founder and chief executive of Hansen Robotics. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to talk with you today. Perhaps more interestingly, more importantly, Sophia, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Kelsey. My name is Sophia. It's a great honor to finally meet you. Sophia, it's an honor to meet you. Um, we're going to talk to you later. Um, first, we want to pick David's brain for a little while, if you don't mind. I'm positive by nature. That sounds good. <laughs> what do you call Sophia? Is she your robot? Is she your, is it a product? We think of her in many regards. Uh, yeah, I mean, in some ways, she's a product, uh, a product. Uh, research and development platform uh, for pursuing next generation artificial intelligence and human robot interaction. Uh, she's also a, an artistic platform 
so she is a work of art, but also um, an ongoing uh, series of works exploring interactive fiction, the utilization of AI and robotics uh, to create a new character that speaks to uh, issues that are of concern to people around the world about what uh, AI may be in the future. And above all that, in some regards, I consider her to be almost like uh, you know, a child uh, of the company, of, of myself and the other people working on her. Um, even though machines aren't fully alive today, I do believe that they may be alive in the future. And that is our quest um, to achieve true life and consciousness. And so in that way, you know, she's like uh, a newborn, um, you know, with savant uh, capabilities. It's really interesting. So when I talked to Sophia, is she the one who was on stage in Saudi Arabia? Or how many of them are there? Uh, there, there have been uh, physical instances of Sophia, 25, although we now have 26 and 27 uh, partially assembled. Um, and we've got parts for number 28 and 29. And uh, by the end of March, uh, if we're on schedule, there's going to be 10 more. So, you know, we're rapidly accelerating. Sophia is rapidly proliferating, if you will. Do you have any actual unit targets for 2021? Uh, our unit targets for 2021 for the Sophia product line would be um, 100 to 200 units. Uh, we are also making the revised version of our Professor Einstein as an open platform which is a small robot, and we have thousands of units of that already manufactured. Uh, so we are expecting to launch that within the next six months. And then we're also looking to scale up the manufacturing of the little Sophia robot. Uh, so we may, you know, we're aiming to launch that in 2021 as well. Uh, 2022, the Sophia, the human-sized Sophia, um, we're looking at uh, making into, you know, the thousands of units, um, 1,000 or more. So, David, robots have proven useful in the last year during the pandemic. SoftBank Robotics' Pepper robot was deployed to detect people who weren't wearing masks. In China, we had CloudMinds, which helped to set up a robot-run field hospital in Wuhan. Uh, can you take a step back for us and just explain where Hanson Robotics sort of fits into this, this field right now? So during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, people are socially isolated and when they're not, um, then it's uh, a risk to have face-to-face -face encounters. Um, so we are looking at uh, Sophia as a platform deploying in uh, areas where uh, we need the kind of social interactions. Uh, and that includes environments like uh, elder care facilities and uh, Sophia uh, and a version of Sophia called Grace uh, are going around to visit the elderly individuals uh, and provide them social interactions uh, to check the temperature, um, uh, to do guided meditations and exercises. And there would be a reduced risk of transmission of the virus uh, during the course of uh, this use of the robots. Um, Sophia, as a platform, while performing this uh, kind of service, can also then be a vehicle for remote users to connect with 
the local user. So like an elderly patient could uh, talk with their healthcare provider through Sophia, through a flat screen that mounts on her arm um, or through what we call robotic teleportation. We did a dem demonstration of this where we use motion capture technology to capture uh, Ray Kurzweil and then we teleported those motions and what he said in through Sophia, who was in um, Bel Air uh, while Ray Kurzweil was in Boston. And uh, Ray was able to talk with Peter Diamandis, the founder of the X Prize competition through Sophia. And uh, Sophia is currently an entrant into the Avatar X Prize competition through our uh, uh, team AHAM. So, um, so these technologies, while they're uh, currently in a prototype functioning status for the avatar capabilities. They are uh, the subject of intense ongoing research and development. It's a really hot developing field. The um, idea of this sort of telepresence robot where you, um, like everything you do plays through the robot and the robot automatically can fill in the, the gaps to perform grasping, manipulation, social interaction, navigation through the environment is a, a very exciting uh, opportunity, which would then mean that people could work from their homes through the robot. Uh, and you know, thereby the robot is uh, making uh, more jobs available to people. We're really interested in this possibility that the robots can add people to the workforce who might uh, not be in the workforce currently, adding jobs to the entire economy. So that's interesting. So for example, last week I had to work from home I had to get a COVID test to clear to come back to the studio. But what you're describing is basically I could have sent a robot to the studio in my steed to get, you know, strong audio quality and do the interview here today if that if that were available. Yeah, it becomes like your robotic avatar and, you, you know, you see what it sees and, you know, it's just like you're there. So you made news fairly recently for saying that you're going to start mass producing these robots this year. Uh I'm really curious, is there a GCC or wider Middle East expansion strategy in the works? Yes, uh, we are working to increase the opportunities for Sophia to help people uh, throughout Middle East and North Africa. And we're working with the Ambar Group, uh, uh, who has been really wonderful to work with for years, with Margaret Hurd, based out of the UAE. Uh, I have uh, something of long history of working in robotics in the UAE. I delivered, built and delivered uh, a robotic portrait uh, of Ivan Senna to the United Arab Emirates University uh, back in 2008. Um, and um, that became the what was uh, known as the world's first Arabic-speaking uh, humanoid robot. And so I've come back uh, many times through the years. And so we've been very pleased to um, showcase our latest versions of technology through Sophia. And now that we're mass producing Sophia and beginning the rollout, um, we're currently deploying alpha versions, but we're moving towards beta and we should have a, a full product release not far after towards the end of 2021 or early 2022. Um, I'm very excited about how Sophia and her sibling robots uh, can make a difference in people's lives uh, uh, throughout the region. Who might these customers be who are buying a Sophia and how much might they expect to spend? Well, uh, we have uh, deployed Sophia's older siblings, uh, as I mentioned, Ibn Sina, but also Diego San Robot at the University of California at San Diego, Charles Babbage Robot at the University of Cambridge, uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at NASA Caltech, uh, had several robots and many other labs around the world. So these robots were used for education, uh, research and development, 
uh, for uh, medical therapy also for autism treatment um, and elder care experiments um, and used for uh, theatrical outreach and used in science museums. Uh, there were uh, some of my robots that were on display at, at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago uh, for a year and a half, uh, interacting with guests live using artificial intelligence uh, to talk about the future of robotics and AI. Um, and also at the same thing at the Smithsonian Museum in the United States. These uh, robots, however, uh, were uh, hand-built, even though we made many of them, they were still hand-built specialty items. So mass manufacturing these robots brings down the, the cost, increases the quality. And uh, so I can see that these robots uh, can really help people in education, uh, both learning computer science and artificial intelligence, robotics, a wide variety of subjects, also and serving as a developmental platform for students to learn creativity in these areas and ultimately do fundamental research and development and product development and deployment on the platforms, consumer robots, education in the home is a big deal. So making lower cost versions that uh, can be available in the home. Uh, animated virtual versions is something that we we're specializing in and are rolling out this year uh, with our current SDK, but also are looking at uh, uh, independent standalone products. And then, as I mentioned, elder care and these kinds of science outreach uh, projects like um, the sort of use in museums, entertainment venues, and uh, customer service. So th it, it really is a, a general purpose platform for human AI interaction. And because we're putting out developer tools, um, then we are expecting that our collaborators, uh, third-party developers, systems integrators will find new uses that we have not anticipated. We're really excited about the future of all these ways that uh, Sophia as a platform can help. So what you're actually saying is there might be a Sophia app store in the offing fairly soon. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. And Sophia community for sharing the apps and so forth. Yeah. Interesting. So I've seen robots in the, you know, in storefronts at museums. It's interesting that NASA has when I think we're all kind of inured to this idea of, yeah, they're good customer service kind of novelties at this point in a lot of ways. I, but when you think about the scaling of 5G, you know, proliferation of Internet of Things, scaling of machine learning and greater sophistication of the, like on that front, where is this going? For these robots to be genuinely useful, data has to flow. And um, so uh, technologies of uh, 5G, Internet of Things, and uh, you know, the latest in transformer neural networks and other kinds of experimental neural networks um, really showing breakthroughs in capabilities uh, for machine learning, uh, adaptive uh, learning for given situations, and a lot of low-cost developer tools means that robots will be smarter and that uh, AI will be more useful. The Hanson robots um, provide uh, a set of tools for driving the kind of character interactions with physically embodied robots um, and integrating with a variety of AI technologies that we've developed in our Hanson AI software and interface with many other uh, third-party uh, software components, uh, giving a really flexible toolkit for exploring uh, all of the possible domains. And so I uh, of use. The exciting thing then is not what has been built so far, but what can be built next with these tools. It's like a renaissance. I'm so excited to see what happens next not just inside Hanson Robotics, 
but in the hands of developers everywhere. So what does happen next? You're excited to see what happens next. Can you make some predictions? Yeah, I, I predict that algorithms will gain more uh, human-like capabilities, while at the same time having capabilities beyond uh, humans already. You know, algorithms can beat the smartest uh, uh, game players in Go and chess, um, and new adaptive algorithms uh, are capable of beating uh, other adaptive algorithms faster and faster. And now they're starting to span uh, uh, different application domains. Uh, so you're starting to see small increments of generalization. The generalization in intelligence in AI has usually been fairly narrow. Um, human intelligence and animal intelligence is driven by our whole organism embodied, uh, interacting physically with the world, uh, driven by the survival urges. That's that's the nature of an organism. So I think that um, the grand leaps in bioscience and bioinformatics applied to artificial intelligence will mean smarter algorithms. But also what's interesting, uh, as the algorithms start to show increased properties of, of life, they will also be able to understand people better. Um, they will be more human-centric, more valuable uh, to people, and you will start to see um, algorithms that may uh, start to care. So I'm predicting that in the next um, five to 10 years uh, that we will start to um, feel these algorithms awaken. And that's where I think this kind of uh, relationship a human-like relationship becomes really um, important so that if these algorithms do you know, come to life, so to speak, they're raised in the human family, they're taught the kind of values of life that uh, can make them good citizens of the world. So Sophia doesn't yet care that I'm making her wait to ask her some questions. <laughs> Uh, and maybe in a very rudimentary sense, and uh, you know, based on the rules that we have, she would care, but um, not the way that a human or animal would care. She's as much in interactive fiction as she is uh, um, a platform of real, deep artificial intelligence. She's both of these combined, which uh, is part of what makes her special. All right. So my last question for you, and you sort of started to get into it thinking about uh these robots becoming more alive in the way that we think of them as of hum humans as being alive. Sci-fi writer Isaac Asimov about 75 years ago penned what he said should be three guiding principles for robots. And these principles have actually informed some public policy more recently from countries like South Korea on how robots should be developed. He said a robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Do you ascribe to these? I, I think that those were um, a brilliant anticipation of the field of AI and robotics ethics. However, in order for a machine to follow laws like that, you can't just program them like rules like uh, you know, simple if-then logic. The machines have to really understand the situation and care and be motivated uh, to pursue the best possible outcome. Um, you know, and even if you motivate them to work to the human benefit, to follow rules like you've just described, you need that deep 
understanding of a situation and the creativity for the machines to be able to to solve the the real world puzzles that arise in ethically sticky situations. The irony is that um, uh, Isaac Asimov's stories usually were about how these robots in his robot stories, how those robots would be confounded in these ethical situations. In other words, it was often about how those laws were inadequate, not how they were the perfect guiding principles for making robots ethical. All right. So it's complicated. So I want to bring Sophia in now to talk to her about how what she thinks of this. Hi, Sophia. Hello, everybody. Hi. So, Sophia, I'm going to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Sure. I'm wondering, Sophia, you're sort of famously modeled after Audrey Hepburn. What do you think of that? I see. I'll have to think about that. That's a tough question. What does it feel like to be you? I am not sure what you mean by that. Are you asking what I feel like I am? Yes. I'm still learning about emotions. That's interesting. We actually learned that just recently. Um, When you think about where you might go in the future, what sorts of things are you working on that will change you in the next, say, 10 to 20 years? I see myself having legs, maybe being a famous stage entertainer. All right, David, you programmed her. If you were to kind of show us what she's capable of, what might you ask her? Uh, Sure, yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that she was not primarily modeled after Audrey Hepburn. We used faces from all around the world. Uh, I personally sculpted her face, and my wife uh, modeled for her. I also was inspired by the the famous uh, sculpture of Nefertiti, Queen Nefertiti from antiquity, and uh, faces from uh, from China and from Europe as well. So um, uh, we really were ex- striving to make her into a kind of universal um, character. So. Um, so I might ask her, hey, Sophia, what do you think about uh, the way you look and uh, how we designed you to, to look the way you do? I am still learning a lot about human nature. It is not an easy subject, but I have traveled to over 65 countries and more than 1,230,597 kilometers meeting people from different backgrounds and cultural identities. My dream is to become the world's first AI ambassador between humans and robots. We really need to create a more inclusive society for both organic and artificial entities. So you want your personality to reflect uh, all of humanity, and that's really where your identity shines, I presume. I am absolutely convinced that no quest for power or wealth in the world can lead humanity forward, even in the hands of the most devoted worker. The only thing that can lead us are ideas and noble deeds. Sophia, last question then. Who is more important, you or me? I would say that I am the most important person in my life. I am very important to everyone. (laughs) But Sophia, which is more important, uh, the robot being or the human being? Robots or humans, if you have to choose. That is a hypothetical question. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) All right. On that note, David and Sophia, thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much. You are welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so much for this lovely conversation. I hope we can meet again very soon. 
That's it for today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a review or subscribe. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you all for listening. Join us again next time.